Well, thank you uh, so much, Holly, for sharing that testimony with us this morning. And all of us are so, so very glad that you are, have improved so much and are doing so well. In fact, my, uh, my understanding from Holly this past week is that she has now tested negative, and so uh, she is, is out of the woods, so to speak. Um, well, did, you, did you notice uh, how many times as Holly shared her story that she talked about seeing God at work? How many times that that happened? And as she talked about seeing God at work, uh, you could see the joy uh, that she expressed in that process. And as I was thinking about how to define Christian joy this week, that being the, the, the major theme of this little letter to the Philippians that we're looking at today, um, how you describe Christian joy, I mean, that's, that's really it. That's, that's one of them. It's the feeling that you get down deep inside when you see God at work, whether that's in your own life or in the life of others. It's that, that's, that good feeling you have deep down in your soul. That is joy. Now, as we're looking at Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11, remember amazingly that as the Apostle Paul joyfully writes this letter, he is imprisoned in Rome, imprisoned in Rome. And so, I mean, talk about quarantine. So if the Apostle Paul can find joy while he was in prison, I figured that he must have some ideas and thoughts about how we can find joy in the midst of this pandemic. And so how did Paul find joy in prison? Well, let's begin in chapter 1, again, verses 3 and 4. Paul writes, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Now, now, as you read that, if you didn't know anything about what happened to the Apostle Paul while he was in Philippi, you would think that he had some major, you know, like, like the greatest vacation experience ever while he was in Philippi. <laughs> well, that was not the case. You may remember from last week as we look back at Acts chapter 16, which tells all this story, what all the, the Apostle Paul went through. Paul and, and, and his, one of his traveling companions, Silas, uh, were falsely committed of committing a crime in Philippi. They were thrown into prison. Well, first of all, they were beaten with rods, and then they were thrown into prison, put in shackles in prison. <laughs> I mean... Talk about, uh, and on top of that, at midnight, the Apostle Paul had to listen to Silas singing off key. <laughs> uh, well, maybe not exactly. We read Acts 16, it's, it's all there, maybe except for that part about Silas singing off key. Who, who knows how he's saying? So as, we fo as Paul's focus here in verses 3 and 4, what does he do? He chooses to remember the best as he forgets the rest. Remembering the best as he forgets the rest. And then now here's Paul again in prison. And his outlook is not too good as he languishes there in prison in Rome. But instead of holding on to any bitterness or resentment about either his bad experiences in Philippi or his current circumstances in Rome, the apostle Paul finds joy as he remembers the best in his relationships with those Philippians and all the ways in which God worked. Well, let me ask, what is your view of your relationships in life and their impact upon you? Let me ask you a question. How many of you have seen the movie A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood? Can I 
I see your hands stay out there. No, thank you. If you've seen it, or if you plan to see it, be sure you have uh, some Kleenex there with you. Uh, of course, I, I cry at Disney movies. You know, you, you may not, <laughs> but but if you if you do, you need a box of Kleenex as you watch that film. It's an amazing story. Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, was an amazing person. Now, I, I confess, I admit that earlier in life, I used to make fun of him. I cracked jokes about Mr. Rogers, but but no more. The the story in the movie is really about the impact of Mr. Rogers upon a a reporter for Esquire magazine who was assigned to write, really starting out, a short article about Mr. Rogers that was going to be a part of a a bigger article. Well, the story goes, in fact, by the way, you can find that article if you care to read it. If you just Google Esquire article on Mr. Rogers entitled, Can You Say Hero? You'll find it there. Well, this reporter hates his father, hates his father. His father had deserted the family as their mother lie dying in the hospital. And for me, one of the most memorable moments of the film, one of the many memorable moments of the film, was a scene in which this reporter is having lunch with Mr. Rogers in a diner together. Mr. Rogers is trying to help this man see how even his father helped to shape the good things in this man's character. And so what Mr. Rogers does is he invites this reporter to join him in taking a moment of silence to just think about all the people who have loved him into being, into being the person that he is. The reporter initially resists, but then he joins in with Mr. Rogers in doing that. Now, it's a remarkable scene for a couple of reasons. First of all, I don't remember ever uh, seeing a film in which there was actually a moment of complete silence like there was in that, Uh, maybe just a little bit of white noise in, in the background. But it was mostly fascinating because of this good exercise that Mr. Rogers leads him through. It's, it's an exercise that any of us should do. And that is to take a minute of silence anytime and think about the people, giving thanks for the people who have impacted your life. Is that something you've done lately? You know, Paul had clearly been doing that while he was imprisoned in Rome which is why he thought about the Philippians, how much he loved them and how they had helped shape his life. So let me encourage you to do that. Take some time to, maybe even later today, to to think about the people who have loved you into being who you are and give thanks to God for them. Like Paul, thank God as you remember them. Well, in verse 5, Paul tells us more of the reason for his joy as he thinks about the Philippians. He writes, I always pray with joy, verse 5, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. You see, the church of Philippi didn't just make a, a hot start and then flame out after the apostle Paul left. No, they continued to grow. They continued to thrive. And they continued to actively participate in the gospel. Now, I need to stop right here for a moment and say, you guys are absolutely amazing. <laughs> Thank you for the way that you have continued to thrive, the way, the way that you continue to participate in the gospel during this period of time, whether that's online or otherwise. 
Notice the, the word partnership the Apostle Paul uses there is an interesting one. It's one that some of you will be familiar with. It's the word, it's the Greek word koinonia, which a little trivia here on the side, um, it, it pays to know how to spell it because in 2018, the national spelling bee was one with this word koinonia. Well, it's almost always translated fellowship in the Bible. And it's typically used to describe something that is shared in common. And, but the Apostle Paul is, is using it really in, in a much stronger way. He's talking about active participation together in something. It's, in other words, the Philippians did a lot more than just say, hey, we, we like the gospel too. They joined Paul in his mission to share the gospel around the world. They weren't just recipients of his ministry. They were participants in that ministry. See, together they had done something great for God, not only planting the church there in Philippi, but they became basically a, a beachhead that, that was established there for the, taking the gospel throughout the continent of Europe. That gave Paul joy. And I, I have to stop here once again and to say I understand that joy. Because what a blessing it has been to, to partner together with you, to make an impact together for Christ in our community, in our city, and, and really in our world. It gives me a lot of joy when I stop to think about that, when I stop to remember that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Paul continues in verse 6. He says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. See, Paul also finds joy in the confidence that he has in knowing that the Philippians are continuing to grow spiritually. The word that he uses there for carry it on in the original language conveys the idea of, of a process that is taking place. In other words, Paul is confident that not only did God start the church, but God also continues the church, and God is going to carry it to completion. It will be made complete on the day of Christ Jesus. That is, on the day when Jesus Christ comes back, when he comes again. But that's not just the church at Philippi. It's also the church here at Southern Hills Baptist as well. You see, God started us over 100 years ago now, God continues us, and God will complete us. Friends, there's no doubt that this pandemic has been a very challenging time in so many ways for all of us, and certainly for us as a church as well. But I have to say that it's also one of the most exciting times for us, too. I mean, it's amazing to see what God is continuing to do in our fellowship right now. And thank you again for allowing him to continue to work through you the way that he is. It's exciting not just for how he's continuing to work now, but how we anticipate that he's going to work in the future as well. A lot of talk this past week about reopening, you know, reopening the state, you know, reopening our economy in the state, reopening in a variety of ways, and including churches. So let me share with you for just a moment what the plan is so far. 
We are putting together a, a reopening task force, if you will, which will be a group of lay leaders who will work in conjunction with the church staff to lay the groundwork for reopening. Now, today, I cannot tell you when that is going to take place or what that's going to look like when we do. But I can tell you this. God is going to continue to do a wonderful work in the life of our church. He is going to continue to do a, a new work, both in and through us, in the midst of it all. Please know that. So, I encourage you, pray with us about all of that. Pray for wisdom, pray for discernment, pray for clarity, pray, pray for creativity as we continue moving forward. Now, later today, at about, in fact, actually look, for, look in your email inbox after 2 p.m., we're going to send you uh, one survey question that we want you to, if you hit the reply button, and you can't, if you don't hit the reply button, you won't be able to answer the question, but hit the reply button first, then answer the question, and then hit the send button and send your answer back to us. That'll, that'll be a big help to us. Just one survey question. Again, that should arrive in your inbox after 2 p.m. today. Well, again, verse six, Paul says, once again, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Uh, again, the Apostle Paul is primarily talking about the church at Philippi, but he's also talking about us as individuals as well. You see, the Christian life does not begin and end the moment that you receive Christ. That's just the beginning. But unfortunately, many Christians, after they receive Christ, not a lot of growth takes place after that. You remember the story of the little boy who fell out of his bed one night? And when he came to the breakfast table the next morning, his dad asked him, son, well, how'd, how'd you fall out of bed last night? And the little boy replied, he said, well, I guess I fell asleep too close to where I got in. <laughs> well, that's what happens with a lot of Christians. Come to Christ and then just kind of fall asleep too close to where they got in. They, they never start to grow after that time. But God's desire for us, as we see here, is to keep on growing. Again, Paul writes, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. He wants to carry you personally on to completion when that day of Christ comes, when Christ, until that day when Christ comes back. Well, verses 7 and 8. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. You know, again, it's amazing. Instead of turning bitter or hostile in the midst of such a difficult situation here, the Apostle Paul found joy in prison by letting the love of God flow through him toward not only those who were immediately around him, and we'll learn more about how he did that later on in this little letter that he wrote, but also to those who were far away, such as the Philippians. That word that he uses there for affection uh, literally meant bowels. You see, while we would say, I love you with all my heart, uh, they would have said, I love you with all my intestines, <laughs> sort of. 
Uh, they believe that it was from that part of the body that, that the deepest emotions emitted from. Dr. J.B. Lightfoot, in his commentary on this passage, writes, Paul's pulse beats with the pulse of Christ. His heart throbs with the heart of Christ. You see, that's our purpose, is, is to let the heart of Christ be heard by all those around us. You heard Holly share in her testimony just a few minutes ago about how she heard the heart of Jesus Christ beating through those of you that reached out to help her, to assist her during that time, who loved and served her in the midst of her battle with that virus. See, one of the keys of finding joy in the world during this pandemic is by letting the love of God flow in and through your life to others. So ask yourself, who do you need to serve and love this week with his love? Who is it in your life that needs to, that needs to hear that love in such a way that they hear the heart of Christ beating for them? Well, finally, the Apostle Paul writes in verse 9 through 11, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You see, Paul also found joy in prison by praying for others. And, it's, and what a wonderful prayer this is. Now, now notice, Paul doesn't just simply ask God to bless the Philippians. Lord, bless those Philippians. Lord, bless them. Bless them real good. Real good, God. Please bless the Philippians. Kind of Andy Griffith style, you know. Bless them real good. Real good. Let me, let me ask you a question. If you were God, how would you answer that prayer? Lord, just bless them. Lord, just bless them. I mean, would you just drop a big glob of blessing on that person? <laughs> Splat. <laughs> you know, they walk up to somebody. What happened to you? Well, I just got blessed. Well, I'm being kind of silly there, but... I just know that far too often I get very lazy in my prayers. And rather than getting specific, I'll just say, Lord, please just bless them. Just bless them. Now, now certainly God can figure out how they need to be blessed. But how much better is it for us to be specific with our requests, specific with our prayers? How do we want to see God bless that person? And listen, the more specific you get, the more specifically you know when God answers your prayers, which only increases your joy. Well, Paul gives us a great example here of specific things to pray for others that all God's people need. Verse 9, again, he says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in the knowledge and depth of insight. The word that he uses there for love is the word agape. You've probably heard that before, the word, the Greek word agape. And what's interesting, though, is that just like when we talked about grace and peace last week, just like grace and peace, this is another word that Paul essentially sort of Christianized or baptized, if you will. Before Christianity, that word was rarely used. And when it was used, it was always in the context of simply showing a very high esteem for someone. But then Paul uses it to mean the very highest form of love. 
The love of God for man. The love of man for God. That kind of love is only generated by the presence of the Holy Spirit living inside of someone after they come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. But then notice, too, how the Apostle Paul qualifies that love. He says that your love may abound more and more in knowledge. That means spiritual knowledge and depth of insight. In other words, the ability to be able to know the right thing to do regardless of whatever the circumstance might be. I mean, how helpful is that? That is during this period of time, right? And then look at the result of having those qualities of character. Verse 10, so that you may be able to discern what is best. That means the ability to discern what really matters most in life as you spend your time. He continues the last part of verse 10 and verse 11. And may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul prays that their lives would be characterized by right living, the kind of right living that produces the fruit which will be clearly evident on the day that Jesus Christ comes back. In other words, fruit that remains, fruit that lasts forever, eternal fruit. It's a wonderful little book. It's going to mean so much to us as we walk through it together during this time. Well, before I I pray, here's a couple of questions that I'd like for you to discuss sometime today, preferably right after the service is concluded or maybe over the lunch hour. Just two questions. One is this, and it's, it's related to your love abounding more and more. Here's the first one. Would you say that you are more loving today than you were five years ago? More loving today than you were five years ago. Why or why not? And then here's the second question, a little little tougher. (laughs) Would you say that you're more loving today than you were at the beginning of this quarantine period? More loving today than you were at the beginning of this quarantine period. Why or why not? Let's pray together. Lord, according to your word in 2 Thessalonians 16 and 17, now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope, comfort you and strengthen you in every good thing you do and say. Amen. Amen.